Hey everybody and welcome to episode 8 of the Sunny 16 podcast, a podcast about film photography hosted by yours truly, Aid, and my good friend and colleague and partner in photographic crime, Graham. How you doing, buddy? Aid, it is hot as balls tonight. Um, <laughs> it is. I am sat here in my wife fronts, uh, trying not to sweat to death. Uh, England... We are not used to sun, particularly not this summer, and it's come as a terrible, terrible shock to me. Um, <laughs> people, people make the assumption that as I'm a gardener, um, I like the sun because there are parts of my body, like my um, sleeves and my legs where I wear shorts, where I am really tanned. Um, I said, like, oh, you, you love the sun. Look how brown you are. But these areas end abruptly at clothing lines. So I have <laughs> the rest of my body is bright white. Um, and every now and again, I make the mistake of uncovering a bit that shouldn't be uncovered and then promptly burn. It's too mm. hot. It's too hot. It is a bit warm today. I've been in London today and that was frighteningly hot. Just as a thought, you might start telling people you're a tennis coach. Oh, I, play, I play tennis and uh, tennis coaches get like that because they wear shorts and T-shirts all the time and uh, they have uh, tan lines that go somewhere between, you know, the bottom of their tennis shorts and the top of their socks and, and the arms of their T-shirts and what have you. It's, it's not a problem when you're just going about your day-to-day life because that's the clothes that I wear all the time. I spend most of my life in this get-up and everybody just looks at you and goes, well, who, who's that tan hunk? The problem occurs... <laughs> is that what they say, is it? Well, I'm a, they don't say it. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. No said it out loud, Aid, but you know that's what they're thinking. Especially probably. the ladies. Especially Sarah <laughs> Brown, maybe. Um, but the problem comes when, let's say, for example, I go on holiday and go to a beach and I may take off my T-shirt, at which point it looks like I'm still wearing a T-shirt. It just looks like I'm wearing a white T-shirt. <laughs> Or I go paddling in the water and my feet, I've got ghost feet. That's what it is. I've got ghost feet. (laughs) So people are just going, what's that? Oh, my goodness. Have you got some terrible illness that's made your feet turn that deathly white colour? You should see a doctor about that. (laughs) I probably should. Doctor, I've got ghost foot. Please, can you help? (laughs) Oh, well... Anything about photography in that? Uh, it's mostly been ghost work for me this week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the weather is hot. There's probably some consequence for development temperatures of chemicals. There's probably some consequences about people who shoot Instax film and it not working quite so well, or especially Impossible Project film. Uh-huh. <laughs> but that yeah. doesn't bother me because this week is Holga Week. Oh, is there a, a, a song that goes with Holger Week? I don't know. Do you want to do a song? I mean, you're the one that does the impromptu songs oh, okay. on this podcast. Yeah, let's have a, I think, uh, okay. It's Holger Week, it's Holger Week. Pick up your piece of plastic, it's Holger Week. Yeah. <laughs> How's that? I love it. Uh, I think we should, uh, we should start... Providing iTunes downloads for that on its own, as as well as the uh, as well as the podcast. I think we we're, we're not far off our first compilation album. I think if you put if you put put that with the uh, the the breaking news song and uh, you know yeah, we, Fuji we, Fuji Epson Max Gold. <laughs> yeah, the Sunny Sixteen podcast greatest hits. <laughs> That's not bad considering it's only show eight. I know. Where will we be by 
Ooh, this time next year. <laughs> Who would have thought we would be podcasting photographers that don't make their money out of photography, but instead make them out of the franchise? Yeah, yeah. That, I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. I'm pretty sure. I'm waiting for the A&R development. A&R? <laughs> Is that who do music? Anyway, let's go on to Holger Week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I've got a Holger, you've got a Holger, and... We've all got a Holger. Like, yeah, so we are recording this show, just for the uh, for completeness sake, we are recording this show at the beginning of Holger Week. So I'm pretty excited, because you know, Twitter started to... Uh, I wouldn't say Twitter started to blow up. There are more important things going on in the world, quite frankly. Yeah, but like, some of the like people... Pokemon Go, I assume you're talking oh, about it. People were doing that in our office today. It's like, come on, you're supposed to be grown-ups. There are no Pokemon hiding in the corner of our office. <laughs> Pokemon Go? Pokemon Go, fuck yourself more like. <laughs> Why, there are not many around your area, then. <laughs> like... uh, fortunately, I have no idea. I haven't looked at but um... Yeah, so... Clearly, that is going to get way more column inches in Twitter than uh, if column inches are the way you measure Twitter. I don't know, but hey, maybe it'll tre- maybe trending is the is the thing we're supposed to say these days. But it'll uh, trend a, ho- a lot hotter than Holger Week will. But yeah, I was noticing over the weekend people starting to get excited about Holger Week, and I thought to myself. I love Holgers, I'm going to participate. So, uh, last night, I took a roll of Tri-X out of the fridge, uh, popped open the back of a Holger, and uh, rolled it right on in there. And today, uh, my rambling commute, as always, uh, I've shot maybe six or seven Holger shots, a couple of them with my wide-angle lens that I did the mini-review of last week. Ooh. I, I have to say, you let me low last night. He sent me a message saying, oh, it's Holger Week this week, uh, to which my response was, that's not a thing. Uh, and <laughs> and I, I, so before I even replied, I thought, I'm going to go online because AID has to be making this up. This has to be AID's Holger Week in AID's mind. But no, it is apparently a thing. Um, and it's been going on for a few years now, hasn't it? I, I had a quick look on their website and I think it at least went back three years, I think. They had... Um, archives of images it's it, yeah a little a little while um i i have to admit i didn't actually look quite that far back to see how long it's been running but i was uh looking at the what passes for rules and regulations it's, it's an interesting one because of course uh, photos you shoot this week may come back to you through either your own development or a lab process any time over the following 12 months i suppose mm-hmm. So I'm just glad that my holgers are 120 holgers, and therefore I only get 12 shots on a roll. <laughs> so yeah, that's, easy that's to, very true. Easy to finish off, easy to get some results from. But now I believe the the uh, the Grand Lords of Holger Week suggest that actually the 31st of August, I think, is the last date for entry. So as we sit here in the middle of July we've got uh, a week of Holger shooting and then we've got time plenty of time to get our photos finished, sent off to the lab or developed at home and scanned and then submitted to Holger week for fun mostly <laughs> I, was gonna say, I, I was waiting for the point at which you explained uh, to what people were submitting entries to or for um, but yeah I think you've kind of nailed it really, they're, they're on the website, they um, have galleries of people's images that have been submitted, and I think they are also judging the images. They are going to pick a winner, which will win something. 
as yet unspecified. And speaking as a very disorganized person, I love the fact that we are at the beginning now of Holger Week and it is still unspecified. <laughs> Fingers crossed it's a Holger. Well, do you know what? They're going to become a precious commodity over time, aren't they? I, now they've stopped manufacturing I, them. So. so you keep telling me it's a worldwide Holger shortage. Oh, they're going to be so valuable one day. They'll be like diamonds. They're, they're, I'm not sure that that's true. I'm not sure that I ever claimed that, but they certainly <laughs> are a lot more expensive to buy than they were six months ago. So uh, part of that may be coming true, at, at least. But yeah, it's something that I'm looking forward to, something I'm going to participate in and enjoy. And as I say, uh, my hog is loaded with Triax. What have you put in yours? Well... That's a good question, uh, and a, a leading question, I would argue, because you know what I put in mind, because I've, <laughs> I've posted that earlier, and, and you and some others were a little bit dismissive of my carefully thought-out choice. Um, I haven't used the Holger that you sent me for, uh, I'm, so I was really pleased to have this motivation to go and use it. And so last night I thought, okay, let's look in the fridge, just see what film I've got. Um, and... I've got a few rolls of black and white film, but I didn't want to use those because they were reasonably fresh and you don't want to waste quality film in that when you can waste it in pinholes. Um, Clearly not. I've. You could get a Holger pinhole, you know. You know, you say that. I've actually been chatting to um, Pinhole Cannon on Instagram who has a, a Holger pinhole that... I, he wants to sell and I quite, quite want to buy, but he's over in the States and it might cost a billion pounds to ship it here. But anyway, that's another story. Um, but anyway, long story short, I decided that the best film to use in my first test run with the Holger is a 12-year-old expired uh, Fuji Provia 100F, which I think is a great idea, but... You don't seem to think it is a good idea. I don't think I passed <laughs> comment at all. I think I think you're uh, you're maligning me somewhat there. I think actually that that's a fantastic idea as long as you're not worried about getting any pictures out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I've done the science on this. I, I admittedly I may have done the science after you guys mocked me for. It. I went, well, why are they laughing at me? Um, and I had a look. So it's. An F8 camera, it says this on the body, it says F8 on the body, and the shutter speed is about 1 one-hundredth, right? Yeah, uh, it, it certainly does say F8, and it'll be approximately a hundredth of a second, at least uh, on a fresh holger. So, allowing for the fact that maybe the film, what with it being expired for 12 years, and I'm not sure how it was stored for most of those, might have lost a stop or two, so... That should work out perfectly. And anyway, even if it has lost a stop or two, the Hulk has been in my van all day today getting cooked in 30 degrees heat. So that will have probably boosted it back up again. It's probably practically fresh now because <laughs> we all know that film loves nothing more than being cooked. I, I speechless. speechless. My plan is, my plan is, the main reason I'm using this Provia is because my first thought was to use, I had a few rolls of, and this was, would have been worse, a few rolls of Fuji Velvia 50, which is even older than the Provia, 
and I know that that came from a house that was like an oven. So I thought, even though I'm not dumb enough to use that, but I am dumb enough to use the Provia. Um, <laughs> and what I'm going to do is I'm probably going to cross-process it once it's done. And I've only done this with one roll of uh, slide film before, but I also did that in a very basic a camera with essentially the same functionality as the Holger. And it came out fine. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it came out, therefore fine. And I think, I don't know whether cross-processing throws in a bit more latitude because you're doing it in those chemicals. Anyway, I'm sure it'll be fine. It's been really sunny here, so it's perfect weather for it. Well, you can't deny that when it's nice and bright and sunny like that, actually then the holger is whether it's optimized for that or just slightly hazy i i I don't know it depends on what speed film you put it in i suppose but you know taking your f8 or f11 at the uh, on the sunny setting on a holger and a hundredth of a second actually you're not you know anywhere around 100 200 400 iso and as long as you've got some latitude in the film you're probably going to be okay and if you need to push it a stop or two when you develop it because it's really old i expect you'll be fine i expect you're fine but i do owe you some derision <laughs> you owe me some derision. that's I probably do owe you true some because derision. i've you... been paying it out a lot in the last few weeks you, yeah if i if, if it was my mum that listened to our podcast she she'd be she'd have beaten you up by now she'd have been round your house saying stop bullying my boy <laughs> <laughs> Your mum doesn't even want to listen to this podcast. He's he's got no interest. <laughs> well, you know, that's just something I have to learn to live with. <laughs> hey, listen, my mum not only listens to the podcast, she took a film camera with her when she went on a holiday last week. I, I posted her up a film camera and she took it away on holiday and she's been scouring charity shops and junk shops and has picked up a couple more crappy film cameras. <laughs> I'm managing to spread this like a disease now. It's great. That's cool. That's cool. Did she enjoy using the film camera? Yeah, I think she did. I think she did. I think she was a little bit disappointed by the results, which I suspect partly came down to getting used to using film again and what you need to get the best from it. Possibly partly due to the fact that she used film of the month <laughs> Ag for Vista one two hundred and you know that's not the best in every situation. You definitely need good sunlight to get the most punchy results from it. But um, but no, she enjoyed using it, and I know that she's getting another camera loaded up now, ready to take out and just have a play with. Mm, good stuff. Just just to check something though, you said you sent her a camera. Yes. <laughs> what did you send her? <laughs> Uh, I, it was a, it was a practical choice. I sent um, the uh, Olympus Mu to Zoom. So this is a very compact, weatherproof camera with a short zoom on it, and um, I've used it, and it's uh, it's a cracking little camera. Um, the lens isn't quite as quick as the fixed lens Mu to, but the extra functionality of having that short zoom makes it a great travel camera so okay all right that's fair i'll let i'll let you off that one because actually that's not a bad choice and i i was just mostly concerned that you might have set her up to fail by sending her some sort of plastic box with a spring and a nail in it and that was all i had (laughs) no i do because i do try to foist cameras on people fairly regularly i've definitely given away a few over the last couple of years to people and 
I always try to give people cameras to use, whether it's to borrow or to have, that won't disappoint them. Because that's the, the last thing you want, is to try something out for the first time and just to have a big bag of fail come back. Um, it's not too bad when you've been doing it for a while and you get a big bag of fail come back. So that comes <laughs> just part of the territory. But when you're first dipping your toe into it, you want the results to be pleasing. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I always... I, my uh, young niece, uh, Emily, who's uh, only 12 years old, but she expressed some interest in photography last year. And so I gave her a... Canon 1000F, which is a an old uh, EOS mount Canon SLR. Um, I'd never actually used it myself, but it was fine, fully working. My favourite thing about that camera was that if you set the self-timer to run on it, it would play some tinny classical tunes as it counted down. It was great, you know, nice. some Bach or some Beethoven as it counted down. That was the the best thing about that camera, as far as I was concerned. But, um, <laughs> yeah, and she's used it, and it's worked fine. So, yeah, I always try to give people cameras that will work because it's pretty miserable if you take a roll of film or go and try and take some shots in it and just get nothing back. All right, fair enough. I'll let you off that one then. I shall save my derision for uh, another day. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, uh, maybe allow a little bit out of it on your choice of film for Holger Week. So have you got any plans for Holger Week? Anything particularly you know, to, to make use of the magic of the Holger? Uh, not really. Um, more than anything, I'm just trying to use it. It's in my van, getting cooked, and uh, I've taken a couple of shots today. It's it's a good time for Holger Week to be happening, uh, especially if you're lucky enough to have some fantastic slide film to load into it, because it is so hot and sunny. Um, I took a picture of my clients today at work, so that's a, a first. <laughs> One of them a picture, a, a portrait. Yeah, yeah, a portrait. I mean, I couldn't get far enough back, so it's not going to be great. But um, and I, I'm just going to see what opportunities present themselves. I'm might try some double exposing with it because that looks like a fun thing to do with holgers to be uh, fair that'll probably happen by accident <laughs> oh really yeah okay. it, it usually does for me <laughs> yeah um but no I, I i fully intend to get through the whole role this week um because i'm shooting this slide film i'm definitely looking for colorful subjects to try and get uh but the nice thing is that when the sun's like this everything gets lifted well maybe not in london where everything's gray and reflective but in the countryside you know the grass looks great and everything's bright and green and um gardens are out in full flower so hopefully there's going to be some good opportunities to get some stuff Uh, see that sounds like you've really thought it through and stuff like that so i'm looking forward to seeing the results of that let's not get carried away (laughs) i think thought it through i i i shoved the 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 least uh precious roll of film i could find that i thought had any chance of working into it and then shoved it in my bag um but no, and it's having not used the camera before. I I quite like its um, form and function so far. It's quite nicely laid out. The only thing I don't like about it is the focusing uh, picture arrangement, where you've got one little person on his own, and then two people, and then three people, and then some mountains. The other camera that I've been using this week is 
an Olympus trip, which I've mentioned before. I've got some red scale film in there at the moment, and that has the same deal on the focusing. It's got the same images, and they they don't mean anything. <laughs> it's like okay, well, a portrait, you know, one person headshot. I understand that that's you look in the viewfinder. That's what that distance is. But then after it all get, and mountains, okay, that's kind of infinity focus. But between that, it's all a bit hazy. I don't know why they don't just put distances on there. I understand distances. Distances are great. Why not just put <laughs> naught to five feet, five to eight feet, whatever it needs to be, rather than this I think you'll be system. Right. I think you'll be all right because the focusing on a Holger is somewhat notional anyway uh, <laughs> and, and, and is, is not really the point. Is so it placebo I, focusing? <laughs> pseudo focusing. <laughs> <laughs> but the... I can see how with an Olympus trip, which is, you know, has a renownedly... Renownedly? That'll do. Yeah, renownedly, renownedly. Sharp lens... I can see how zone focusing might be a bit of a a stressful feature to have as compared compared to I don't know, a, a similar camera of its age uh yeah which might have been a rangefinder for example you know sort of a, a mini rangefinder from the 60s or something like that with the Holger it's less of an issue because basically unless you're actually shooting a portrait a portrait you just stick it on mountain and be done with it Oh really? Is that the tip? <laughs> well, the it, it's it's uh, well. It, it, it to be fair, it depends on what camera you've got and all of the holders. <laughs> the, there's so little quality control in the manufacturing of the holder that actually part of the fun is learning a particular holder. So oh, the two oh. that I'm shooting at the moment, uh, having sent one off to you, I have two, and technically they are both Holger 120GN. So they are very very basic, but with the glass lens rather than the plastic lens. But the the lenses are so different. Uh, the the first one I ever bought has a, a small sweet spot of sharpness in the center and then a sort of zoom, a sort of radial zoom effect all the way around the outside. Uh, the, the, the more recent one uh, and the one that I've actually been uh, shooting today has a much larger and much sharper sweet spot and then fades away in a in a bokeh type way you know sort of a, a nice soft out of focus kind of way uh towards the edges it's almost like a focus vignette so who knows <laughs> the one you've got <laughs> oh well aid i'm all right because on the bottom of mine there was a little gold quality control sticker so i'm pretty confident <laughs> mine's gonna be perfect what did it say on it not checked <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I trust that gold sticker. I'm pretty sure it's met the exacting standards that the Holger factory applies to everything. Okay. All right. Well, I should look forward to that. For my own strategy, going with black and white and being mostly in the city during the week, I am looking for contrast. So I'm embracing the the bright sun and looking for shadow and contrast and, and trying to uh, uh, make something of that. Um don't get me wrong, I'm no fan ho. You know, this is not somebody who, um, who's... Your <laughs> You're no fan who? <laughs> Don't call into disrespect one of the finest photographers that ever lived. <laughs> oh, I've never heard of him. <laughs> so, say again? Fan ho. Okay. F-A-N 
H-O. Uh, sadly, uh, he passed away uh, recently, actually, uh, only a few weeks or, or a month or so ago. Uh, but he was a Chinese photographer and uh, he was quite famous for taking uh, very contrasty black and white shots, uh, a lot of which were around the Hong Kong area through through the... I don't know whether you'd call it the growth or the modernization or both of Hong Kong through the 50s and 60s and what have you. And uh, that's the sort of, although he's done a lot of stuff, that's the the sort of thing that he's known for. So what I was trying to say was that I'm no genius when it comes to contrasty urban shots, but that's the sort of thing that I'm going for. And so having a a film like a Tri-X is is hopefully going to help me find something of interest in the rather harsh light you find in the city in the summer. Sounds like a very good plan. Uh, I promise I will look up Fan Ho after this podcast. I feel quite guilty now. Uh, On the bright side, at least he's dead, so he won't be offended. (laughs) That's very true, yes. You might want to check out, uh, well, if you're just Googling him, but actually uh, Ted Forbes on the Art of Photography YouTube channel did a a sort of memorial, a short memorial video um, uh, of him. So that, that's worth checking out. I'm sure there are far more academic works than that, but that's one of the ones that I saw recently. And, uh, yeah, everybody should go check him out. I don't think he used to hog, though, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> he was a bit better than that. But anyway, some, someone who could put, who could uh, provide inspiration for Hog Week. Okay, so we're all set. We've got a week to go. I suspect... I will end up with my summer holiday getting in the way. So I don't think I'm going to have my whole week shots back probably until about mid-August. <laughs> so in about three, four episodes from now, I might have something back to share on Holger week. Uh, but given that a lot of my photos are shot with Holger anyway, I don't suppose it'll be news that I've got some photos from a Holger to share. No. But I am looking forward to yours. <laughs> so am I. So, well, especially as... I'm hoping that I can get that colour kit that I keep talking about and that uh, this will be a perfect opportunity for testing it out. So I think you would. Okay. So, given that you've put some quite expired film into your Holger. Just how are you going to go about shooting that and then developing it? Well, the thing with the expired film is that it's a bit of a crapshoot because so much of it depends on the storage. Uh, I've got a lot of expired film in my fridge. I mentioned before about the Fuji Valvia. I've actually got two lots of Fuji Valvia. I've got some Fuji Valvia 100, which I bought from uh, a, a shop, uh, an online shop, uh, expired, but only just expired, which has since then been in the fridge. So I think that's going to be pretty good. And so when I come to shoot that, I'm going to mostly shoot it at box speed. But with the expired film, like this Provia, I'm going to work on the assumption that it's lost some speed. Um, I think colour films and slide films lose speed faster um, than black and white. Black and white, I've heard from 
my readings and from other podcasts that I've listened to, like film photography podcasts where they talk about shooting black and white uh, film, that you can kind of work with black and white film as long as it's stored reasonably, maybe about one stop every 10 years. So that's pretty good going. Um, the expired Ilford HP5, which I've got, which dates back to, I would guess, about the late 1980s. Uh, I shoot that at ISO 100 rather than ISO 400. And apart from being incredibly grainy and quite foggy, that exposure about right. Um, so with black and white film, you can get away with quite a lot with expired film. Uh, but with colour, you it, it it just it's a lot more variable because it's not just the length of time. It is a lot more about the storage. Um, but as uh, Dave was saying a couple of weeks ago, with colour film, you can't really compensate one way or the other in developing. You You compensate in your shooting time but when it comes to developing you're just going to develop it as you do with all other c41 films it's all going to just go in so if you send it off to a lab or even if you do it yourself it's going to get developed at the standard time so yeah the only compensation you can do is in the adjusting the iso when you're shooting it which is fine as long as you're shooting it in a camera that you can adjust the iso on um if it's going into one that's DX coded, good luck with that. Um, have you have you mucked around with expired film at all, Aid? I haven't, and I'm am curious about the whole uh, color developing thing actually as well. So I tend, uh, I mean, occasionally some some film in my fridge goes slightly out of date. I mean, you remember I I recently finished off my Neopan 400, yeah, and I I was doing that because it had basically hit its expiry date, and I thought, you know, I've got I've got two rolls of 35 mil Neopan 400, yeah. which uh, I don't really save film for a rainy day because actually, or for a special occasion, because I I think it should be used and, and enjoyed. Absolutely. But, but there's a couple of things, yeah, sort of couple of roles getting uh, a, f- a film getting close to their expiry date or just past their expiry date, and so I tend to try and sort of pick those up and use them. But does it? I mean, does this mean that? Yeah, you know, I know C41. The whole point about C41 as a process is that it's absolutely standard. But people still push and pull C41 film, don't they? Yeah, and this is the thing that kind of blew my mind a bit. You you do push and pull it but you're only doing it in the camera setting. So if you choose that you want to shoot, um, I don't know, Fuji Superior 400 at 800 or 1600, you shoot at those settings in the camera, but it's still going to get developed the same way. And that's the incredible thing about C41, a lot of the colour negative film, is that the latitude is just there and it can cope with it. Um, and you're still developing it in exactly the same way. Uh, with black and white film, it's a different story altogether. When you're pushing and pulling it, a lot of what you're changing is in the development stage. And there are also specific developers that you can buy to um, speed up film or slow film down. When the last lot of developer that I bought... Uh, the HC110, the main reason I bought that developer was because it was noted as being particularly good at removing fog from very expired film. 
So which is what you're going to need. <laughs> yeah, which, yeah, exactly. Um, but it it is amazing how you can get things out of incredibly old film. It, they hold on to their images for an incredibly long time. I think the oldest one, uh, and I think I may have mentioned this one here before, I bought a camera from a car boot sale, a Canon. You didn't. Uh, yeah, this is, I know. <laughs> how unlike me. Um, but I picked up this Canon Canonette 1.9. It's a rangefinder. And it dates back to the 1960s, mid-1960s. And I found a roll of film in there. And that roll of film was Kodachrome 2, I think, which also dates back to the 1960s, which is weird. I mean, it it looks very much like someone bought this camera, shot maybe one or two rolls of film, got halfway through this roll of film, and then it just got put away for... 40, 50 years now at this point. Um, and Kodachrome 2, the actual way to develop that film has long since been gone. Um, there's no way to develop the way it should be, but I stuck it in black and white developer and was able to pull some images out of it. They were not very good, uh, but you can get images out of it. And one of the photographers that we follow on Instagram um, who I've mentioned before, Load Film in Subdued Light. He shoots um, almost exclusively, I think, uh, certainly primarily with expired film. And the results he gets are fantastic. And I think it's probably because, although it's expired, it's been well cared for. A lot of the expired film that I've got is kind of garbage film <laughs> that's come <laughs> from attics. I've got... I, you, you're... Um, you may remember a things like the true print film from the eighties that you get. Oh yeah, yeah. My dad used to get that true and bonus print and <laughs> Yeah, I've got quite a lot of stuff like that. Just real random brand names. Um that people have just given me and said, Oh, we found this in the back of a cupboard in the kitchen. Would you like it? Yeah, sure, that'd be great. Um and I found over these that you you are gonna get all sorts of weird colour shifts and streaking and all sorts of stuff like that and that's fine if if, as long as you go into it knowing that um that's fine i we talked a little earlier about sending people out with cameras that are suitable for the task i have been guilty of giving people perfectly good cameras and then giving them a rather poor quality roll of expired film and then being like it's a bit grainy than I was expecting it to be. Like, oh, yeah, that roll of film is probably 15 years old. Sorry. Um, but, yeah, I, I think with, with your expired film, what I would say is you... sounds like you need to relax a bit about it. You <laughs> sounds like you will... I mean, I completely agree. Film is there to be shot, and you shouldn't be hanging on to it just for the sake of hanging on to it. But by the same store... Just because it's about to go out of date, this is not a pint of milk we're talking about here. If you're storing it properly in the fridge, that can last ages, especially black and white. And if you stick it in the freezer, you're basically pushing the pause button on it. But I've also seen um, amazing results that people are getting just pushing these films further and further and further. Just seeing what happens, push them till they break. Uh, it's great. I, I I love the fact that there are people out there doing that and sharing the results, so you can just 
see it and take inspiration from it and go and play with it yourself well inspiration is what we're all about here on the sunny 16 podcast isn't it it certainly is (laughs) okay cool well thank you Okay, Aid, um, talking about things that are getting on in years a bit, wasn't it your mother-in-law's birthday recently? <laughs> oh, oh, mate. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. It's like watching a Les Dawson <laughs> gag. Right. <laughs> Take my wife, please. <laughs> oh, well, funny you should mention that, Graham. <laughs> Yes, I did. So, uh, I guess what I have for us is a, a, a mini assignment report. Uh, I did indeed have uh, an ageing mother-in-law with a birthday <laughs> recently. <laughs> okay, here we go. So, the, the, the family, the family, 15 or so people, couple of grandparents, uh half a dozen or so people of parenting age and then uh, some children that just seem to run around and and every time the family gets together there seem to be more of them or maybe they're just getting bigger I don't know or maybe somebody swapped them for Pokemon over the weekend (laughs) but uh, on Saturday we did have actually uh, a really good family get together uh, because it was my mother-in-law's birthday and being it was a milestone birthday uh, there was a special day out planned and we all got together and we had a lovely meal and, and, and so on and so on. And, of course, uh, in the preparation for this came a request, you know, please can somebody volunteer to take photos? Now, they're quite a creative family, actually, my in-laws. And so there's quite a few people who could, but generally speaking, that's the role that I take. Uh, you know, there are people that are better at video, people that are better, you know, you know working in tv production but uh i usually take the photos of these things so i uh, i tooled up uh on friday evening uh and given that i like to be over prepared i had a camera a couple of lenses a couple of flash guns uh a uh, an umbrella um you know a sort of uh, a reflector umbrella rather than a see-through umbrella and uh, a stand for all of that uh my favourite stand, my Manfrotto boom arm stand, which is fantastic for taking pictures of groups uh, without the actual stand getting in the way because you can sort of you know, fly it in from somewhere off the side of the camera shop. So I, I, I packed all of that on Friday evening and, and uh, we had an early start on Saturday and we went down to the coast to Shoreham Airport actually uh, which has a fantastic Art Deco terminal building I don't know if you ever watch things like Hercule Poirot or things like that where they set in the 1930s where they go to an airport and it's this tiny little terminal building and it's absolutely beautiful architecture uh, well that's the sort of place we ended up and uh, it was a joy to be there we had a lovely family lunch and the birthday girl was given a ride in a helicopter as a special treat so my job was to make sure that we got a whole bunch of photographs that could be shared around all the family as part of that day. But I wanted to do something a little bit special. Uh, and yeah, I couldn't guarantee that I was going to be able to do everything in film. So I shot digital and I printed Instax. So this is back to my Fuji Fuji workflow. Uh, that you so kindly called back to earlier on. (laughs) 
but not the uh, not the Epson Mac bit because I haven't been scanning the Instax. These ones for t- were to give away, and they were a real hit. So every now and again, as, as something happened, you know, is it a photograph of the cake or a photograph of the helicopter or a photograph of the family sitting down to eat? a meal together or the present opening all that sort of thing i was able to print out an instax here and an instax there and give them to the birthday girl as we went along and she loved it and i think i know you and i disagree on this whole shooting digital and printing instant (laughs) i know you think it's just weird but it really really works for these things and you know yeah i didn't get 340 instax that I thought I might get through that I'd packed with me because there wasn't a group shot that I then needed to print 10 of so everybody could have one yeah. on the day. Uh, but it really made a difference. And uh, my mother-in-law, uh, she was really pleased to get them, especially when they hadn't yet taken, you know, they were still blank and she got excited about what I was, what she was going to see. So, yeah, you know, it was a great thing. So you, were, so this was, um, you were shooting with your uh, Fuji X-T1? Right. Yeah, yeah my my um, my main high powered digital camera. And you were then just wirelessly shunting them straight over to your Instax printer. Yeah, it's really easy. Uh, the way the printer works, you turn the printer on and then you go you flick through in playback mode on your camera and you say I'd like to print this one please. And it takes a few seconds the first time because it has to connect to the printer. Uh, But you don't need a base station. You don't need to be connected to a network or anything like that. It just finds the printer and says, yeah, I'll print it over here then. That sounds good. So, okay, as this is probably, I'm going to guess, the most intensive session of doing this that you've actually had so far, uh, I know you didn't get through. How, how much did you get through of your uh, Instax Mini? Probably only the one pack, actually, with it, with with, with ten in it, because it it just ended up being focused on the one person. Okay. So I was trying to give a uh, you know, snapshots through the day. Yeah, no, that's cool. So you got three packs of this film left yet for when you get a camera. <laughs> I have lots of cameras, thank you very much. <laughs> I do not. Yet. You are correct that I do not have a native Instax mini camera. That is true. Not yet. Um, so, having spent, having had another good session with the Instax mini, and doing this, especially when you're in an event-like setting where you know, people are waiting, and, and I'm guessing that you're wanting to get these prints done and out so you can get back to taking pictures. Did it make you feel any more warmly inclined towards the USP2? Was there any point where you were thinking, ah, if this was a bit quicker, this would be really helpful? Or if this was, a, you know, has it, has it nudged you at all in that direction? Hmm. Not really. Not really? <laughs> oh, well. I, I think you I probably tried. knew the answer to that. Not that we rehearsed it, but I suspect you could have guessed the answer to that well, question. Well, true, but I tried. I'm still waiting for the massive uh, sponsorship endorsement from <laughs> Fuji Instax, <laughs> which we almost certainly, well, you probably almost certainly deserve, me maybe less so. Well, um, I, got, I, I got a shout-out from them on Twitter, because I did, I did uh, uh, pop a, at least uh, one tweet out there about what I'd been doing at the weekend and, and copied them on it and, and got a, a retweet from Instax HQ or whoever they are, I think. Mm. Uh, so they 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 are at least uh, in that sense aware of my work. <laughs> it's I it's amazing actually how active how proactive um, it seems to be particularly Fuji Instax UK because uh, I think both Instax HQ and Fuji Instax 
um, all seem to primarily be coming from the UK or the activity at the moment. And they're working really hard to promote uh, their product, particularly just the Instax Mini and that range of cameras. They're, I don't know whether you've seen these pictures, but they've got a little camper van and they're going around, I think they're at the Royal Welsh Show this week, they're going around events and really trying to engage with people and promote this film camera for people to use. And they're, they're obviously targeting a younger demographic with it. Um, I'm good but, with that. I can yeah. be I can be a younger demographic. Mm, yeah, bless you. But I mean, <laughs> it, it's great to see this really proactive effort. So, but it does bring to mind when they announced that they were discontinuing the last of their pack film, the FP one hundred C color pack film. I got into a brief conversation on Flickr with somebody who was uh, fairly fed up about it because it's a product that he used a lot in his shooting and um and we were talking about that in relation to how popular the instax mini was that you know this is just what people want and the point he made was yes but they never promoted it it didn't sell well because they were never promoting it and i i do wonder whether that's true because when you see the effort that they're putting into pushing the instax range and they're getting the reward from it could they have done the same with the pack film? Yeah, it's going to be around for a few years yet. More and more expensively, obviously. But once it's gone, it's gone. Which, actually, that probably leads us on quite nicely <laughs> into our next section, doesn't it, Aid? It, it does. I, I, I meant this section, though, to be... A happy thing. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you know, we had a birthday party. It was an amazing day. And actually, you know, handing out Instax shots actually was a really good, uh, a, a good party thing. And, and yes, we could, I could have shot with a real instant camera and I only had one of each. And the birthday girl would still have got her shots. But actually, the whole family are going to want to see the, the, the rest of the photos that have been captured, even if they didn't need the Instax prints on the day. So I think for me the the digital capture and the that with the benefit of the Instax printer was great and I'd kind of <laughs> kind of planned that actually this might be a happy part of the conversation but that's okay you t- <laughs> you, you, t- you take it where you need to you miserable bugger and uh, if you want that to be a good segue into the next miserable segment of the podcast well you go for it what's up next well the thing is it all that I've just said kind of now makes what I'm about to say sound even stupider than it does just on its own face. And it sounds pretty stupid just on the face of it. <laughs> Go on. We all know that I'm an impatient person. <laughs> this is at this point news to nobody. Uh, we also know that I am enjoying pinhole photography. But the problem with pinhole photography is that one, it's quite a slow process in its own right and two you have to wait to get the pictures done and get them developed and all of that because that's the way it goes with shooting film pictures unless you're shooting instant but there isn't an instant pinhole camera so that's a gap in the market <laughs> as far as i'm concerned <laughs> which i needed to film and what made this possible was that a couple of years ago, I bought for for my um, for my Bronica. I bought 
a Polaroid back. And I never really used it because I got it and I think it came with a couple of expired packs of Polaroid pack film. So this was quite expired because that's just been gone for a while. And I tried it and realised that one, the expired pack film was garbage. It was just an awful, horrible, chemically mess. And two, even if it wasn't, the pictures that you're getting out of it are only the size of the Bronica negatives, which is quite small. It's about the size of an Instax mini print, which seems a bit of a waste. exactly, I think. It's a 645, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought, that actually, this seems like a bit of a waste of pack film just to get such a small image out of it. If it was a 6x6, six six, it wouldn't be so bad, but the 6x4.5, I thought, I'm not going to buy any new pack film for that. So the Polaroid back got put to one side and forgotten about. And when the discontinuation of the pack film was announced, that really drew a line underneath that. I thought, well, I am never going to use that because there's no way that I'm going to waste this already increasingly expensive film. And, so, and yet. And yet. Well, eight. <laughs> I had a good idea. <laughs> I thought I could probably repurpose this pack film holder. Um, so what I did was, because I, I think the pack film holders that are almost universal and what changes is just the adapters that clip them onto the back of whether it's a Bronica or a Hasselblad or a um, Mamiya RB7 I think they're all fairly similar they've just got different plates on the masks which clip them onto the back of the cameras so I just gutted all of that off and was left with the film holder then all I needed to do was put a cardboard box on the front of it get some metal put a pinhole in it bish bash bosh instant pinhole camera it's that easy that easy now there have been a few problems <laughs> here with, we go here we go <laughs> with, with this project some of which were mine uh, well, all right. All of them were my problems, uh, all of which were caused by me um, and all of which could probably have been avoided. The first one was that I tried to go with it. <laughs> if you've seen the picture, you'll realize that this is such a stupid thing. I tried to make it look a bit more stylish um, than ju just a plain pinhole camera. So uh, I was using metal from a cider tin, cider can, to make the pinhole. And I actually ended up cutting quite a big piece of it and to stick on the front. But I didn't just want to tape over it all and make it look all boring and ugly. I thought, I'm going to use double-sided sellotape to stick the pinhole on, stick this metal plate on, and it make it look like it's got a cool Magnus branded camera. So uh, that's great, except <laughs> that whilst in my van and in the heat, it turns out that... Um, Double-sided sellotape isn't the most incredibly adhesive substance known to man, especially when stuck to smooth uh, electrical tape on one side and a, an aluminium can on the other. So the entire shutter just kind of fell off at one point and exposed a frame <laughs> to light. That was a bit of a shame. So then I had to get some tape and tape all over and make it look far more messy. The other significant also it kind of half popped off again a couple of times <laughs> so there were a few frames that were a bit spoiled by that the other problem that i had was a problem of misjudgment 
Uh, <laughs> I the, the, the color film is 100 ISO, and I'd done my using this pinhole calculator app. I'd worked out the size of the pinhole, and it said on there, okay. ISO 100, this is the pinhole size you need at this distance, blah, blah, blah. And on a bright sunny day, this should be the shutter speed you need. And I thought, well, that's fine. That'll do me for thinking about this or looking into it any further. I don't, I don't need to go to the internet to see about whether there's any special consideration for using pack film in a pinhole camera or whether long exposures make a big difference with um, pack film. And that bit me on the bum a bit. I exposed the first shot in my back garden and pulled it out, waited the one minute for developing and looked at it and went, ah, this, is, this seems to be quite washed out. Um, I think the shutter speed had been about 10 seconds. Maybe I just overexposed it a little bit. That's probably what it is. I probably overexposed it because it's quite a bright day. Then I think the next shot was when the shutter assembly, for completely <laughs> overstating what it is, the, the bit of metal fell off. So that just came out blue. And then the next one that came past you. But anyway, I kept trying to take pictures and they kept coming out like, all washed out. I said, ah, I'm, I, my shutter speeds are obviously way too long. I need to try and cut these down and make, because it's quite a bright day. And it's hard to do a short shutter speed with a pinhole camera when your shutter is physically falling apart. <laughs> just the actual shutter bit itself. I also used metal for that and that just started to split and peel apart. Anyway, I out of this 10-shot pack of film, one of only two that I own, <laughs> and I may well never get another one, I took seven pictures, which were essentially complete wipes. Oh, and dear. I came home, and at that point I thought, maybe I ought to have a look at the internet now. And the internet said, on a bright sunny day when you're trying to do this, because somebody had done a similar idea, uh, Expect shutter speeds to be between 15 and 20 seconds. <laughs> oh, turns out maybe the problem wasn't that I was overexposing them drastically. It's that I was underexposing them drastically. Oh, how does that work then? I know. Well, <sighs> this is the thing. I think because I got into my head that, one, this is kind of roughly where the shutter speed should be, and that, two, when things look washed out and bright, you associate that with overexposure because you expect them to be dark if it's underexposed but of course these aren't negatives this is a positive image that's, that's being made and ah. so i took one shot and you know very roughly went i think i went for about 25 seconds and got a much stronger colored image out of it went ah, oh, cool so i still have a couple of <laughs> shots in this pack of film left to go which i will use but yeah, that was a bit of a harsh lesson because it's now quite expensive and increasingly rare film and I'd wasted almost all of it um, on this camera. So I think I probably will use the other pack of film I've got in this camera after I've made some adjustments to the construction of the shutter mechanism. Um, but I'm not sure. I, I have my good, trusty Polaroid land camera 100. Um, I might just put the last roll of film I have through that and not ruin it through this. But see, yeah. if, it, if it was me, I'd want to make the. Uh, I'd want to 
finish the process. That's the I, problem. That, I, that I would want to say, you know, it did take me my last two packs ever, but I got my photo. Because you know what it's like. You get you do these experiments, and you really only you really only want one photo, don't you? You just want one photo to come out nicely and say, okay, it took me a few goes at it, but look at this amazing photo that I've got. Yeah, I think you're right, Aid. And with your endorsement and your backing, I think that's what I'm going to do. I think you should. I think you should. Because the thing is, if I don't, I'll get some nice enough pictures from it from my Polaroid camera, and they'll be fine. And I will like them as they are, and they'll be. But that's all they'll be. Whereas if I can get just one, one decent picture out of this pinhole camera, it will be an achievement. Yeah, you will. You will have triumphed. I, I will in the triumph of the adversity of me being an idiot. Well, sometimes it's like playing golf. You know, you've only got yourself to beat. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Luckily, that's a really easy target for me. Um, <laughs> Why well, you're not I, very good at golf then? <laughs> oh God! Well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm probably as good at golf as I am at making functioning pinhole cameras. Um, Say no more. <laughs> yeah, I would love to find a way. I've had a couple of um, brief glimpses at people who are trying to make pinhole cameras using the Impossible Project film and even the Instax film, and I think that's the way to go. But it's it looks more awkward because the good thing with the pack film is that if you've got a back that sits with you just pull it out so you can just keep you know, take shot after shot after shot after shot whereas i think it's with the, the polaroid the impossible polaroid film and the instax mini i think you're literally having to remove the individual um pictures in the dark bag put them into the thing take the picture and then activate them and it's that's not what I want. I find, want to find some way of shooting a pack of Instax Mini in a pinhole camera format. At some point, I may have to try and get do that. So, so you could do something like, because uh, you could get an Instax Mini back for a Diana. Well, can you? Yeah, and I had so so seeing as you've been encouraging me to buy a, a, a real instant camera, and I already have a Diana. I had thought about that, and so you've got. Uh, you if you can get you can use a Diana camera with an instant back, and you can all and Diana cameras also have a pinhole aperture. Now I don't think it's it's um, I don't think for one moment it's as finely tuned a pinhole as you get from your French fella or uh, where that you buy the the holes from, but. It would give you uh, an option to try it, possibly. Yeah, that sounds perfect. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's a Diana, it's a Lomography camera, you're probably going to be disappointed. But, <laughs> but, but well, uh, something. Yeah. You, you may say that, though, having been having a look at the pictures from the Holger uh, wide pinhole camera, they're actually quite impressive. They're well, not bad. You can also buy Holger with Holger instant backs as well, I think. Really? So if I do from a quick from a quick internet search as you might expect, so the instant back for a Diana uh available on Amazon or elsewhere and let me see what it says. It shoots Fuji Instax Mini. So the Diana is a six by six camera. 
which means that you'll more than cover your roughly six by uh, 62 by 46 it says here so yes so rather than 60 by 60 you'll probably get it you'll probably cover it in fact you might actually get a very thin black line where it's not exposed down one side of it but you'll get yeah. almost all of an instax mini exposed so how much are these things mm, this one says 79 pounds actually but that mm. seems quite expensive so yeah. you might have to i'm guessing there's batteries in this back i mean i'd love to know how the darn thing works but i'm guessing you expose the picture and then press a button on the back to get to hoof the film up uh, I really don't know. Actually. Oh, I'm, this this is what I'll be doing after we've recorded tonight. That's that's going to be going on my wish list. Cause, yeah, I mean, if you've got a back, then you can make a front of any <laughs> sort. <laughs> As so, I clearly demonstrated with my careful crafting skills. Well, y yes, that's not quite where I was going with it. <laughs> I was going with well, maybe the yes, yeah, but yes, you could. Um, but, but I definitely you, think you ought to get one for your Diana. So yeah, yeah, I could do that. I, I um, the other thing is, I'm sure you could get a Holger instant back as well. But uh, let me have a quick look at that as we're uh, typing away. Is uh, good radio this? Uh, typing away while um, uh, while we talk. So Holger instant back. Um, yeah, Holgeroid. <laughs> doesn't sound very comfortable <laughs> no it doesn't <laughs> you're, you're, I'm suffering from Holgeroids <laughs> uh, oh no according to Holger Direct they're sold out so you might have to do the Diana one the same concept it's a bolt on back yeah. that will shoot instant film ah that's very interesting well, I've never heard of those and now I instantly want one ah well there you go it is something that I thought about actually uh, of course you wouldn't get any of the automation that you'd get on a normal Fuji Instax camera because of course a Diana camera doesn't have that it has three apertures uh, and a standard roughly, oh. a, roughly a 60th of a second Ed, bless you, you clearly never held an Instax Mini <laughs> because that's pretty much what you're getting with an Instax Mini. <laughs> they are not high-tech, high-spec. They are basically, here's your shutter speed, here are a few apertures, uh, gluck! All right, well, maybe you're, in the sim maybe you're in similar territory then. At least the Instax camera, they would probably work out which one to use, whereas the Diana, you'd have to work it out for yourself. No, 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 no. There's a little wheel on the side, you have to turn it. It's, they're, they're pretty straightforward cameras. Obviously, they've got a flash and uh, the the way I think the way that the Instax money compensates is that flash cures all. So um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they're they're real basic cameras, um, which is good. The, the Instax wide is a bit more high tech. That actually I think does focus and stuff like that. I should know I've got one, but the Instax minis are very basic point and shoot cameras in a lot of ways. All right. Okay. Well, then it'll probably be quite similar then, because the Diana is definitely a very, a very basic point of view camera. <laughs> awesome. I'm excited about that now. Oh well, there you go then. I'm glad I've been able to inspire you. Inspiration's what it's all about, clearly this week. It, absolutely. <laughs> okay. And uh, lest we overburden our listeners with too much inspiration. <laughs> I think that's probably it, isn't it? And uh, it's time to do some shout-outs. Certainly is, mate. Certainly is. And I am—I could not be more excited for this week's shout-out um, because I, I haven't even told you about this yet. We've got an iTunes review, 
And this is a very special iTunes review because I don't know who this person is. Ooh, this, is not a a of, this is not a member of my family. This is not a close personal friend. This is not even somebody off the forums. This is... It may well turn out it's somebody I know, but anyway, um, I would like to say a big thank you to Papercut7 for leaving us a very nice review on iTunes. Um, it made my day, and uh, yeah, really pleased. Uh, everybody over in the States, please just think about it, because in the, in the US iTunes, um, it's there's tumbleweed blowing across it. I think they've actually put a tumbleweed gif on our iTunes page in the States. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for leaving the review. It's really appreciated. Um, it's it's just nice to know that <laughs> there's anybody out there listening beyond my mum and Dave. So, well, that's fantastic. Uh, that's a bit of a milestone for us, isn't it? Uh, having our first, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, first verified listener. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Only took us eight episodes. Oh, well, no, no, hang on a minute. This is episode eight we're talking now, so it actually only took us seven episodes. <laughs> Good point. Well made. <laughs> well, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Any, any other shout-outs? Uh, no, I think that'll do it for this week. I was so bold of I mean, as always, I am still very much enjoying um, the Instagram, having a great time on there, seeing everybody's work, and... Um, I think next time when I'm more organised, there are a couple of people who I, I definitely want to draw attention to. But I think for this week, we'll just say thank you very much to Papercut7 for his iTunes review. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the iTunes review. For those of you listening out there who still yet to give us a review, uh, please consider it, as uh, Graham so respectfully requested. Failing that, you can join in the conversation. Instagram at Sunny16Podcast. Twitter at Sunny16Podcast. Mostly me there, mostly Graham on Instagram. Every week we also like to say thank you to Chris at PixelatedPhotographer.com. Without him, there would be no podcast uh, because his tech support is fantastic. And he also hosts the longer form conversation for Sunny 16 podcast on the pixelatedphotographer.com forums. And we'd also like to say thank you to Kevin McLeod, whose music Honeybee threads its way through this podcast. That's available under a Creative Commons license at incompetech.com. Which just leaves the goodbye bit. So thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Bye. there that wasn't so bad even in this heat <laughs> it is very very hot <laughs> it really is i am a sweaty betty <laughs> i pity your sofa <laughs> <laughs> yeah